Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, verse number 16, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. That'll be our text this morning. Before we dive into it, let's take some time to bow our head, get our hearts and thoughts and our mind right to receive God's word this morning. All right, Heavenly Father, thank you. We can be here this morning. You've given us a great day to be able to worship freely. Open up your word, hear what it has to say. Lord, help me to be able to deliver the truth from your word in a a good manner that would be edifying to your saints. We're thankful for the little ones that are here with attentive ears. We do pray, Lord, that the message goes not just to their ears and to their mind, but drops down into their heart where it can make a difference for the way that they live their life. We're thankful, Lord, that you've sent young people our way. We pray that we can be a help to them and they can be a blessing and a help to us. We're thankful for the visitors who are able to join us. Lord, thank you that we have freedom here still in, the, in America to do what we do and assemble and gather freely. We ask your blessing upon the proclamation of your word. Be with us. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to get two passages for way of cross-reference. Can we get First John chapter 5 and John chapter 3? First John 5. This is real basic. And then John chapter three, I know this won't be anything new to you, but we're going to lay this out as a foundation before we dive into the message. We're going to read John chapter five first, but many of you use this or should be using this uh, when witnessing and helping people understand uh, salvation is, uh, is the source of life and you can't lose that life. First John chapter five, Verse number 10. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. By way of definition, that means you can't lose it. I can't lose it. We can't lose it. It defines itself. There's nothing to interpret. The Bible interprets and explains itself. And this life is in his son. You can't find this type of life anywhere else. Anywhere you look and go in it, you won't find it. But you can find it in Jesus Christ. He, this is real hard to understand. Look, watch this, kid. He that hath the Son hath life. Verse 12. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Wow. Real hard to understand. One syllable words. Woo! The King James Bible is just so hard to read. It's all one syllable, easy to understand that a child could get at words. That is the source of life. 
who do we find that source of life in? The Son, Jesus Christ. Pretty simple, isn't it? He is the source of the life that we have. John chapter 3. He's our source. He's the source of life. John chapter 3, verse number 5. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. That's not water baptism, by the way, just to help anybody out that might be confused or might be listening online. All of us were born of water by our mother when we came out in a water sack. So all of us can hold that in common. We're all born of water. And Jesus is trying to connect this natural way of thinking, this physical way of thinking that Nicodemus has, that we all have basically, and connect the dots with spiritual ways of thinking. Except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That's me and you. That's all mankind. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That isn't all of us, or I should say that wasn't all of us until we did what? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we had the new birth. We had the spiritual birth. Marvel not that I say unto thee, it's kind of a good idea. You might want to think about being born again, except it doesn't say that. It's a definite, absolute, 100%, no if and buts are about it. Ye must be born again. Verse 8, the wind bloweth where it listeth. Now here's the sound thereof. Can't thou tell whence it cometh, whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. First John 5, what do we see? Who, this, who is the source of the life we have? Jesus Christ. John chapter 3, we are all born of the flesh, but that is not the life that we need. We need to be born of the Spirit. Everybody got it? Your first birth, my first birth, our flesh 100% controls us. Our flesh causes our effect. And you and I live to sustain our flesh. That is why we live. To pleasure, to sustain, to keep our flesh getting what it wants. That's why we live. When we live in the flesh, our second birth, that is after we have been born again, the spirit of God is ready, able and willing to control the way to sustain the way to pleasure you in a way that would be honoring to God. You want to mature as a Christian? You want to understand how to live as a Christian like Brother Kelly parked on this morning? You want to have a better relationship with the spirit of God that affect you to be born again? Then we need to walk in the spirit. That's so simple, isn't it? It's easy to understand. It's simple words. Galatians 5, verse number 16. This I say then, walk in the spirit you've got a command that command is followed by a result of obeying that command what's the result of obeying 
and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Command. Walk in the spirit. You do that. Here's the result. You will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Brother Jimmy, preacher, I keep fulfilling the lust of the flesh. I keep sinning here. I keep sinning here. I keep getting frustrated here. I keep getting aggravated here. I keep getting. What's the problem? You're not walking in the spirit. Well, how do we walk in the spirit? That's what we're going to find out this morning. Many of us think we walk in the spirit and we don't, myself included. But we know that's the command. Uh, let's go back to um, the Old Testament. I want to get a glimpse of, of some things. Get Deuteronomy chapter 5. And in the Old Testament, we hear God in Exodus. He tells his people, walk in my law. We get to Leviticus. He says, walk in my statutes. We get to, to Deuteronomy. Watch what the Lord says. I'm going to run a few verses here. 533. Bible says, ye shall walk, Deuteronomy 5.33, in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded you, that ye may live, and that it may be well with you, and that ye may prolong your days in the land which ye shall possess. Now, when they walked in the ways of the Lord, notice that they lived physically. Things were well with them down here on earth. Uh, their days were prolonged down here on earth in the land, that piece of dirt, that real estate that they had, that they possessed. They obeyed God. They got physical blessings. Deuteronomy 8, 6, the Bible says in chapter 8, verse number 6. Therefore, thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God. To walk in his ways and to fear him. It's funny. Nowadays, people are afraid of a lot of things. They're afraid of COVID-19. Let's lock ourselves in the basement for a year and see how that works out. But they don't fear God. When God says, don't do this, they thumb their nose at God and they go and do it anyway. And then the Fauci flu hits and whatever some so-called scientist says, we run around scared. I'm not saying don't don't not respect things and don't not be educated and learned about things. But who are you fearing? When you thumb your nose at God, when I thumb my nose at God, when we watch the world just say, I don't care what you have to say, God. It shows we don't fear God. We just fear the men that God created. We should fear God. It should be a healthy fear. Get Deuteronomy chapter 10. Verse number 12. And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? Here it is again. But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. If we live back in the Old Testament, here's how I would surmise by way of opinion on how we would read that verse. And now Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God and to walk in all my own ways and to love myself and to serve myself with all my heart and with all my soul. 
because we're so in love with ourselves because we are controlled by our flesh and our fleshly nature. Well, it's easier preached on than done. Deuteronomy 11.22, the Bible says to walk in all his ways at the end of the verse and to cleave unto him. Deuteronomy chapter 13. Let's do two more. Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse number four. Ye shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. And ye shall serve him and cleave unto him. This fearing God is coupled with cleaving unto him. He's not a scary God, although we don't want to. It'd be a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. Of course, there's the wrath of God. But it's balanced out with his love and his mercy and his goodness and his care for us. It's a healthy fear. Deuteronomy 26, last one. This Old Testament stuff that God told the nation, Deuteronomy 26, last one, verse 17. Thou hast to vouch the Lord this day to be thy God and to walk in his ways. There it is again, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgment and to hearken unto his voice. Now, I gave you all of those Old Testament passages because I wanted you to see throughout the Bible, God gave his people, the nation of Israel, things to do. And when they followed his ways, they were blessed physically. Now, in the New Testament, we, we have terms like walk in love. We might not get land to possess. Walk in wisdom. Walk in the light. Walk in newness of life. And then what we're looking at in Galatians 5 is walk in the spirit. We have all of these spiritual blessings available to us as New Testament Christians if we would just walk in the spirit. Now, my son and I did some horse uh, learning this past week, and it was a great time. We went to this horse ranch, and um, this particular ranch rescues horses. And these horses, are some of them are in pretty bad shape. And you ever hear this term, the spirit of the horse? These horses are so downtrodden, what do they do? They, in order to bring the spirit of that horse out, there's a connection, there's a union with that trainer caring for and, and getting that horse to go from this stage to the next stage to the next stage. And then you're like, wow, it's magnificent looking at these 1,500, 1,200, 1,000 pound creatures. And then their spirit just come alive. God created us. He gave us a new life. And he can give us a life full of spiritual blessing. If we yield to his spirit, not to our flesh. Trying to keep laws, rules, and commands will not restrain you from sin. Wow, that's a pretty heavy statement. The only thing that trying to keep laws 
and commandments and statutes will reveal is that you and I can't keep laws, commandments, and statutes. <laughs> you don't believe me? Have kids. <laughs> and you'll believe me real quick. I want you to set the table. No. All you got to do is make a rule to find out that your kids aren't going to follow the rules all the time. And all God has to do is make some rules to show you, you and I can't follow his rules. We go our own way. We do our own thing. Why? Because we're me and you're you and we're we. And there it goes. And it's just the flesh that continues to control us. Only by the Spirit of God can we produce the result of not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. But we cannot produce not fulfilling the lust of the flesh in the flesh. That's the problem. And we, and we so try to do it in our own willpower that we blow it. The only way to stop it. To stop the flesh is to walk in the spirit. And religion gets it backwards all the time. Religion says this. I'll suppress my flesh. And I'll be spiritual. That's the. That's the uh, Hindu religion. That's let's sit with our legs crossed in a, in a lotus position for three hours. And reach this point of euphoria or nirvana. And we would have suppressed the flesh. And so see, now we're spiritual. That's the Buddhist. That's the, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, beat myself with rods. I am going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do some type of gung fu and do some martial arts to suppress and weigh down my flesh. And I'm going to show the discipline that my flesh has. That's religion. That's religion. That's Roman Catholicism, priests and nuns saying, I am going to suppress my flesh. I am not going to marry. I am going to forbid others to marry. And I am going to show by the suppression of my flesh, I am now spiritual, except you're not. Because you can't suppress your flesh and walk in the spirit to show you're spiritual. It is an impossibility, according to God's word. This idea that we see by all these new age gurus is 100% absolutely wrong. The power is not in you. In your flesh dwells no good thing. You can do all you can do to control your flesh and you, it, it, won't, it won't happen. And by doing that, Christians will totally miss the point in the true essence of Christianity. And that is not to live a life where you are trying to suppress and control your flesh but to live a life controlled by the spirit of God. Romans chapter six. <clears throat> Verse number 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. That you should obey it in the lust thereof. See that? Romans 13. Look at Romans 13, verse 14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh. 
You can't do it on your own. That's why you've got to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make up provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Romans, uh, let's go back to Romans 7. Romans 7, verse number 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal. That's Paul speaking under the Spirit's inspiration, sold under sin. We are in bondage to our flesh. We are in bondage to our sin nature. And when you get saved, or if you are saved, your flesh won't ever be saved. And it won't ever get saved. It will always be carnal, fleshy, under the power of sin, because your flesh doesn't get saved. Your soul does. And you have the indwelt Holy Spirit. And let's get Galatians 5 and let's keep going. We're going to get some help here. There we go. Galatians 5, watch what it says, verse 16, this I say then, walk in the spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. So that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you're led of the spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, cleanliness, civics, goes on. We'll hit that next week. But there is no way that the law can help you out. We already talked about it. You can't keep the law. All it's going to do is reveal that you can't keep it. So what do we see in Galatians chapter 5 as we go through verses 16 and 17? It says, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. There are seven common, the most common types of lust. I'm sure there's more. Everybody pay attention because this is for all of us. Ego. We, it, it was, uh, being in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was common that you would see in academies when you'd walk in over the mats and it would say, leave your ego at the door. Ego is self as the center. Look, I'm here. Yeah, got myself a, a form-fitted shirt. I did some push-ups. I'm here. I'm going to show everybody I'm the man. Yeah, okay. And you know what happens to that guy? He gets his butt handed to him at the end of the class. That's what happens. And, and you know what it is? Leave your ego at the door. Don't come in here peacocking and putting your chest out and, you know, pounding yourself like you're the man. That's, that is ego. Ego. And we all suffer with that one way, shape, or form, where we have to be the center. And this is, by the way, why some martial arts, not all, some martial arts are good for training discipline. This is why some people go into the military to have some discipline. This is why you get a trainer so they can disciple you to get some discipline, because if not, you'll just sit on the couch all day, eat. Doritos and watch reruns of whatever you're watching. So you need somebody to say, look, get off of yourself. And now you need to get 
over your ego. The other is control lust. Some people have this overarching desire to always be the one dominating and always be the being the one controlling the situation. And this type of dominating lust can hurt can hurt us. The other is approval lust. There are people that always have to have some type of approval or applause. Kids, isn't it nice to get a high five from dad after a hard day's work? Isn't it nice to get a hug from mama after a good hard day of, of, of schooling and, and things around the house? Isn't it nice to get some praise? It is. Everybody longs for that type of acceptance. And that is normal and that is healthy. But this approval lust where you always need to have some type of recognition and some type of approval is unhealthy. Then there's sexual lust. Most people today, they aren't in love. They're in lust. They look at something. They like the way that it looks. They like the way that it smells. They like the way that it walks. And they're in lust. They're not in love. I heard the strangest thing this week. Some of these animal trainers, I think they become part animal. And... Oh, you guys will like this one. So pay attention. Then they can quit laughing because we're in church. <laughs> you can have a good time in church. Just don't get out of control. You have to control yourself, right? All right. Controlling the flesh, right? Walk in the spirit. Amen. This horse trainer, it starts, uh, or this horse, it starts passing some gas. And then after that, the horse poos. Which, if you're going to get an animal and you're going to take care of animal kids, a lot of it is you have to clean up poo all the time. Now, some of you are thinking, what in what in the world does this have to do with the Bible or church? Well, probably nothing, but we're having a good time, at least us in the front row. Well, so this horse trainer says, this horse trainer says, man, that's a favorite. That's my favorite smell in the whole world. <laughs> I thought you'd like that. I thought you'd like that. I'm not making that up. Now, who says that? Who in the world says that? Horse poop. Horse poop. I'm trying not to walk in it. And he says, no, nah, don't worry about it. It's not like cow. It's not like cow poo or anything like that. Just It's, it's just like grass. Just go ahead. Okay. Okay. But who in the world thinks or says that? I'll tell you who. Somebody that has dedicated their life to horsemanship and thinks and would probably care for the horses before he'd care for himself. He'd skip a meal before the horse would skip a meal. Now, I said that partly. It is funny. It is funny. But the point I'm trying to show you is that that's somebody that cares for an animal. And we as Christians have a hard time caring for each other, and we're humans, and we're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. There's possession lust. Happiness is based on what you possess or don't possess. You would hear this termed materialism. I'll be happy if you buy me that. And that's where their happiness is based. 
there's hedonism. That word basically is a, it's a constant desire. You need to be entertained. There has to be something out there to offer you some type of pleasure or entertainment. And then there's a survival lust. No matter what, I am going to survive. It's the survival of the fittest attitude with no regard to others. These are the seven most common types of lust. Like I said earlier, I'm sure there's others. And I'm sure there's some healthy parts of this. But where we go wrong is we allow our lusts to control our happiness and to define who we are. The believer, we have a choice. We can be led by or controlled by the flesh, or we can be led by and controlled by the spirit. The unbeliever, by the way, they do not have that choice. They are controlled by their flesh. And until they are born again by the spirit of God, they will not have that choice. Hence, this is why we bring the good news of the gospel to them, so that they can be born again. The most important thing you can tell anyone. So don't make it, don't act like you're surprised that a lost person is living the way that they live. I lived a certain way. Many of you older folks, before you got saved, you lived a certain way. You were controlled by the flesh. Don't be surprised that someone is in deep sin. Now, for a believer, because we have the indwelt Holy Spirit, we have a choice to make. Mm-hmm. We have a choice to make. Verse, verse 17, the Bible says in Galatians 5, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other. So that you cannot do the things that you would. Notice the word for at the the beginning of that verse. That's a connecting word. That's walk in the spirit. Why? Because of the flesh. Wes uses this in showing people certain things in the Bible when it comes to saying the word for. There's one right there. You can add to your repertoire if you haven't already. But for is a connecting word. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. The Lord will reason with us. He tells us why. He says for. Because of this reason why. And he doesn't leave us hanging. He helps us connect the dots together. And and notice one other thing in here. King James Bible is not hard to understand. The flesh lusteth. That E-T-H in this context is an ongoing. It's a continual thing. And it will be a continual thing. That's why we have the E-T-H ending. Some versions will just put lust and they'll change that E-T-H ending. And you'll lose much of the defining of that word to show that this is a continual ongoing thing. The flesh in this verse just refers to our sin nature. We ran verses on that uh, sermon before. And then the spirit, obviously the indwelt Holy Spirit. That resides in each and every one of us if we've been born of the spirit and been born again. But let's look at this here. As I get my thoughts back together. In verse number 17 in the middle of the verse. Read with me if you can. And these things are contrary the one to the other. So that you cannot do the things that you would. It's an absolute statement. It's not relative. How many of you guys like to fight? I figured you'd put your hands up. 
You're in a war. Girls, same thing. You're in a war. You're in a battle. Flesh, if if you've been born again, you're in a battle. Flesh versus the spirit. And your flesh is 100%. Go like this, front row and, and back row, everybody. Your flesh, it's your, it's your sin nature. It's completely against God. I'm not saying don't brush your hair, don't brush your teeth, don't take a bath, don't keep yourself clean. Do all of that. But I would be real careful about giving overdue attention to your flesh that's completely against God. When you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, the indwelt Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You have access to that. Spend more time attaining to the things of the Spirit of God than you do to the things of the flesh. Your flesh will always be against the Holy Spirit. It's not going to change when you get saved. You will still be in that war. And it's not going to be reconciled. It's going to be against the Holy Spirit till the day you die. So here's the crux of the message. A super spiritual Christian comes along or just a Christian that has a a, a bright idea with some Bible and says this. I know what I'll do to fix the problem. I will just pray. That the spirit will control my flesh. That's what I'll do. Doesn't that sound pretty good on face value? It does. Except it don't work. Because it's not in the Bible. And I'm going to show you why. Here's the problem. Get Romans chapter 7. I want you to stay with me. Because this is the most important part of the message. And I believe you can get a hold of this. It will help. It will help us all. Romans chapter 7. Verse number 18. Watch this. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. When you got saved, did your flesh get saved? No. Guess what dwells in it after you get saved? No good thing. No good thing dwells in your flesh. It is what it is. Now, your soul gets saved, and you got the end of the Holy Spirit you can tap into. But the Bible says in John 3, 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. Matthew 26, 41, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Isaiah chapter 40, all flesh is grass. Now get Romans 8. So if the spirit won't control my flesh, then what on earth do I do? What do I do? I've got to be sunk. No, you're not sunk and I'm not sunk. Watch this, verse 5 in Romans chapter 8. I'm saying, don't pray that the Spirit will control your flesh. Your flesh is as grass. Your flesh is sunk. Your flesh, nothing good is in it. So don't pray that prayer. Don't act and live like that. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind. See that? Mind the things of the flesh. And they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. 
Here it is again in verse 7. Watch. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Our answer is in Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 8. It's not Holy Spirit control my flesh. It's Holy Spirit. Would you so control and influence my mind so that my mind makes a better choice? And if we can get a hold of that, then so that ye cannot do the things that you would. So the result is you, if you're a born again child of God, you end up acting in such a way where there is no conflict. But it can't be flesh suppress or spirit could suppress my flesh. It's no Holy Spirit of God so influenced my mind to make the right decision. Pay attention to this. When you see these TV preachers and these fakers say you're going to speak something into existence and all this. That's false. They're speaking as if there is no battle between the flesh and the spirit. The issue is this. Is what you are doing, is what I am doing representing the mind of the flesh? Or is what you and I are doing representing the mind of the spirit? That's what we want to get a hold of. We're in a mind war. And the flesh is persuading the mind to make choices and to make decisions against the Spirit of God. So the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, if you're saved, has to be the one so influencing your mind that you make a decision. And it's almost as if there's no conflict, although there will always be a conflict between the flesh and the Spirit. Let me give you a couple of practical examples as we close. Okay. Christian, young person might say this. I want to go off to college. And that's, can that be a good thing or a bad thing? It would be both. Because his flesh could, could be controlling his mind and influencing my, his mind to say something good so they can go away from his home and get away with murder. No rules, no parents. I can run with who I want. I can go with where I want. I can get all the trouble I want. And dad's not there to stop. Now, did he make a wrong statement? No, because what's wrong with going to college? Or he can say, no, man, I, I, I'm going to go to college. And the Holy Spirit of God has so influenced his mind that he made that choice. He wants to get an education. He wants to work hard. He wants to be able to provide for his family. And hey, I'll get to meet some new people. I might have some opportunities to witness to them. And do you see same statement? What is influencing your mind when you made that statement? Your flesh or the Holy Spirit of God? This is why you got to be real careful when people say, well, you shouldn't do this because. We got to be careful of that because we don't know what influenced their mind. When we try to help young people make these discern these things out, 
So they have a better chance of the Holy Spirit being the one that's influencing their mind. Person says, I want to get married. Who thinks marriage is a good thing? Okay. If, if you're married, you got to put your hands up. Sorry if I got anybody in hot water. Except if your flesh is controlling your mind, it could be a bad thing. If you get married for all the wrong reasons, it could be a bad thing. But if the Holy Spirit of God, if you're saved, if the Holy Spirit of God is influencing your mind to make that choice, then it can be a great thing. Are there problems in any area of life? Of course there is. But what I'm saying is we make statements. It's not the statement that's right or wrong. It's the influencing motive. Someone says, I'm called to preach. Young, young, young guy says, yeah, I'm called to preach. Well, that's great. Is the Holy Spirit of God influencing you to do that because you see a need and you want that town to be evangelized? Or is it just, I can't get along with anybody and I just like telling people off and I can have a pulpit. And I, I can have a, you ever hear the, the bully pulpit? You just use the pulpit to bully people. So is it wrong to say I'm called to preach? No, what I'm saying is what is influencing your mind, the flesh or the spirit? Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, I don't have all the answers, but I know this is the answer for sure that I can tell you this morning. Stop telling your flesh to control the spirit. Or I'm sorry, stop telling the Holy Spirit to control your flesh. That would be the other way around, but in any way. Because it won't work. Instead, have the Holy Spirit of God influence your mind. And then make a decision that way. People are just messed up in their minds and messed up in their head. They're just going completely psychobabble, 60 minutes, talk to a shrink, and we're getting into church for free, how to fix your mind. You don't need drugs. You don't need psychedelic stuff. You don't need any of that. You need the word of God that helps us. So we need to be careful about trying to make something sound spiritual when it's really not. When we as Christians don't have the Holy Spirit influence our mind, we have our flesh. And this is why, as we close, we must maintain a right relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's leadership you can trust. It's better choices that you'll make. There's no hope in your flesh. Your flesh didn't get saved. If you're saved this morning, your soul did. And the only hope for successful living is to walk in the spirit and pray that the spirit of God will so influence your, your mind that you will make better choices. If you're here this morning and you're not saved. You can't make a better choice between the spirit and the flesh. The only choices you have is between the flesh and the flesh. In your flesh dwelleth no good thing. And no amount of law keeping, no amount of statute keeping, no amount of command keeping will reconcile you to be to God. You're born of water, but the Bible says you must be born of water and of the spirit. You must have a spiritual birth. And this is why Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. There's no other way. The exclusivity of Christianity doesn't change because your feelings get hurt because you're told that you're a sinner. That's life. You've sinned, you've done wrong, and before God, you've committed high crimes. 
He's not a mean man. He's not a bad God. He's holy and righteous. And if he delivered punishment on you, he would be even more holy and righteous because that's who he is. And that's what he does to sinners. He punishes sin because sin is crime. But God loves us enough that he made a way for us to be reconciled to him. So instead of being sent to your room for eternity, that room being hell, he sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to bear our sin upon a tree and bleed out and die. So that you could have the imputed righteousness of God. That means you ain't right. There ain't nothing you can do to be right. And God will impute his righteousness to you. But you can't come to God on your own terms. You can't say my physical birth is fine. I don't need to be born again. No, you'll go to hell. You have to come to God on God's terms. And he says, you're a sinner because you sin. You're separated from me. That separation causes you. Causes you. Eternal separation. You young people, you ever lose mom and dad in a grocery store or something for like a minute? Then you look around, you're like, where's mom? Where's mom? And then all of a sudden you find her and your heart just kind of goes. And mom's heart goes like that too. Because she thought she had lost you. That's eternity separated from God. And God doesn't want that. That's why he sent Jesus to die on a cross. So that that separation doesn't happen anymore. And you can be restored to God. And when you die, you won't go to hell. You'll go to be with the Lord. Because that relationship is restored. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Doesn't matter how good you think you are. You're not going to get to heaven. Doesn't matter how bad you think you are. You can still come to Jesus. Because it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done. No amount of good works can get you in. No amount of bad works can keep you out. If you haven't realized you're a sinner this morning, realize that this morning. Realize that separates you from God. Realize what God did for you to make a way. By simply putting your faith and trust in him, turning from what you've had trust in, and putting your faith solely in the meritorious work of Jesus Christ, you can be born again. Just call out to him anywhere, anytime, anyplace. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Lord, please save me. Lord, I know I was trusting in whatever it was, but I want to trust fully in you. That's why the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.